Hello and welcome to another edition of Live Your Own Fit Podcast. I'm your host today, Pete Jacobs, and thanks for joining me. And today I am going to be focusing on micronutrients and focusing on the bigger picture, trying to change your perceptions of some things, the way that we think we are getting micronutrients and where we are and aren't getting them. So bear with me, we're going on a journey today back in time, back to the very beginning of Earth as we know it, when a mass of stardust came together in a ball, that ball that we call Earth, and then it became, uh, began reacting with itself and the universe around it over billions of years, and then life began in that time, and then we evolved from that early beginnings of life. So those early trace elements of, example, iron reacting with the atmosphere changed and slowly increased oxygen levels on planet Earth because of those reactions between a couple of elements within our Earth and atmosphere. That's what helped life begin. And if we trace our beginnings as a planet and as a life form, and then as Homo sapiens... I believe we will be better equipped with knowledge that will help better our understanding of our health today. Also, if we acknowledge that veil of perception that we live by in the present day and strip away the convenient beliefs we hold, we will see how modern a world we really live in and how it affects our relationship with our evolutionary history. Our perception is flawed. We choose to see only what we can test and what we can, and then we focus on what we can test. We have always had and always will do it that way. And we can't currently test for that much in terms of mineral and vitamin deficiencies or toxicities at a cellular level. So we don't really focus on it. The basic essence of life, what we evolved from, the earth, those minerals, the elements cannot easily be tested for in humans reliably, at least not all of them. We can test for a few fairly reliably, but um, I mean in terms of getting a test for a 24-hour urine test to get a good level of that mineral in our body. I mean, who's really going to do that? It doesn't make it easy. And I'll get into a little bit later some of the reasons why these tests haven't become easy yet. So, We can test for some things. However, what comes back in that test may actually be flawed because that low result is caused by another low nutrient that we are unable to test for. So the body compensates. So it may be dropping one nutrient currently in our blood because in a cellular level, we need it and we're shifting it and we're grabbing it from somewhere else to take somewhere else because we're low in a nutrient that we can't test for. So it's all very confusing and difficult to find out what we are actually really low in at a mineral level. And yet the minerals hold so much importance to our DNA and so therefore our replication of our cells, our energy, our life force and who we are as humans and what our health is doing for us on a day-to-day basis. Through all the research I've done on how the body works to produce energy and how to be healthy, meaning free of dis-ease, it is obvious that humans do not have an inherited flaw in our relationship with the planet Earth or with the food available to us over the course of our evolution. 
In fact, it is the food we ate during our evolution that is one of the keys that we can use to find our way back to health. So what I was saying there is that over millions of years, and as 200,000 years as Homo sapiens, we haven't suddenly developed an inability to tolerate these natural foods that were around for all of our existence. The foods that were around all year round, being the animal products, that we were able to tolerate what we grew our bigger brains on with good amounts of EPA, of, of good fatty fish, and all the minerals that come that are highest in their quantities in animal meats. I mean, that's the only way that we evolved and grew bigger brains and grew more efficient and survived through all of those times of all different continents, different climates, was because animals existing alongside us were that consistent factor that allowed us to be consistent in our evolution. If we take the most recent example of evolution, that is the oldest culture still in existence on our planet, the roughly 60,000-year-old culture of Indigenous Australians. First Australians came to this continent and survived, therefore without becoming extinct, as in they did not die out. They lived through everything in Australia and are the oldest living culture on our planet. So what is culture? Just to clarify, because I I didn't understand this when I was younger. What is culture? And culture is the ideas, customs and social behaviour of a particular people or society. And so, yes, we all evolved from a similar similar place over 200,000 years ago as Homo sapiens. So there's culture that went back that far. But in terms of currently existing culture that has survived through all of the changes throughout our evolution of 200,000 years, Indigenous Australians is the only still living culture. So the only society that has been around Well, it's the oldest society. It's been around about 60,000 years, we think, in Australia. So the way that they lived on the land that they lived, they are the only culture that still exists. The others just aren't as old. And there's plenty of cultures that were around long before, but they haven't existed as long as Indigenous Australians. And yes, I have to mention, and it would be remiss of me not to point out, that since colonisation from 1788 here in Australia by the British, there has been and still is treatment and discrimination of these Indigenous peoples that many Australians, including myself, are not proud of and at any opportunity I have to do what I can to support the awareness, rights, love and respect for First Australians and their culture and the history of their land, the land that has become Australia, um, I will do so. So roughly 60,000 years ago, there were mega fauna, huge animals, much, much bigger than we have today. So imagine that when Homo sapiens first came to Australia around 60,000 years ago, it's likely and it's debatable, but it's possible that the mega fauna were hunted to extinction by first Australians way back then around that time. Maybe it took 10,000 years, maybe it took 30,000 years. But it took a while and eventually there were no more megafauna. So to think that in the lifetime that there have been Homo sapiens on the land of Australia, many, many animals have become extinct. And it's because of, potentially because of us using those animals for our own survival. 
as in any other animal would be doing. You would not consider the life of another animal over the life of your own. That is every animal's reason for living is to extend their life, to be as healthy as they can and to be as vibrant and thriving as they can to procreate as well as they can. And for that, we need nutrients to do all of those things at a really efficient and level that we can survive really well. That is our evolution. So the very reason we are here today, living in this magical, abundant world with these amazing brains is because we ate a lot of animals, but not more than we needed. Overeating is a relatively new common occurrence. And so there are other factors that contribute to hormonal issues and that contribute to weight gain and resistance of burning stored calories. And I don't want to make this about that we have to eat animals. I'm just going through some evolution and then I'm going to flip it on its head in a minute and tell you, well, eating animals isn't always all what we think it is as either. However, there are people today um, who are trying to reverse that sort of evolutionary process and, and saying now that the death of an animal should not be on their conscience. And I don't want to get political here. Everybody has the right to their own beliefs and their own choices. And I freely accept that and they do what is best for their happiness so that they don't feel that they are suffering. And that is all we are after in life. And I'm coming at that from a health perspective to reduce suffering. So if you need more micronutrients and macronutrients and less of the other high sugar or plant compounds, then yes, eating animals is likely to reduce your suffering by getting you healthier. And that is the focus of this podcast. It is not a debate about the political rights or the suffering of others. It is trying to reduce your suffering and the suffering of other homo sapiens. People have that belief. um, And if I'm simply approaching that from a philosophical point of view, that if we did evolve because of nutrients we source from animal consumption, and you'd be hard pressed to find proof that we did not do that throughout our evolution and and need them and there is proof that it is essential that we what we get from animals is essential and there's lots of examples of people trying to be completely vegan with their children and the v and their children are not doing well in case their parents have gone to jail because they fed their they malnourished their children so badly so it's not to say you can't be vegan but i'm just saying um, sometimes people's reasons for doing something um, are at the detriment of their own health and their own family's health through trying to put some other priority ahead of their own health. So it could be possible. Um, but now some people want to stop eating these essential nutrients. Um, and it's just a strange time that we are living in. Um, and it's, it's something that's a philosophical question that is just interesting to ponder. That is the only reason I bring it up. After 200,000 years of evolution, some people have built a culture that believes eating animals is not a good thing. And this belief is affecting people's emotions, happiness, and potentially their health, depending on how they approach their basic needs for essential fats, proteins, vitamins, and minerals. The evolution of our culture, where we are right now in this day and age, it has created a situation where people can choose to not eat meat and still survive. And still thrive if they do it correctly and therefore they are able to create emotions attached to eating meat um, and animals which did not and could not have ever existed until recent times 
So that is that interesting dichotomy, that, that philosophical question that until recent times, we could not have not eaten what anything that was available to us, whatever we could find. The culture of humans is no longer based on survival of the fittest and healthiest as it has been for 200,000 years, but on beliefs from many different sources that prioritize morality and a herd mentality. So whether it be you getting your beliefs from peer pressure to eat what your peers believe is the healthiest food, or it's the cool food to have as a treat after a workout, or it's the convenience packaged food, or it's the food that has been marketed to you and has subconsciously got into your beliefs. Well, first world societies in particular are making decisions based on beliefs, not on knowledge and experiences. Throughout our evolution, Homo sapiens have developed knowledge of the foods we ate and how they affected those in our tribe and other tribes. We would have passed information and passed it on to their offsprings and how it affected our offspring, how the elderly were affected. The foods they chose to eat at a certain time had purpose, such as making a warrior strong, helping a woman recover from childbirth or healing a person from illness or healing someone from losing lots of blood on the battlefield. Food had a purpose and we knew what it was. We no longer eat for purpose. So the beliefs came from knowledge passed down over thousands of years in the past. Now it's passed down from people like me. It's passed down from bloggers and podcasters and more so really where the real belief is coming from mass media, from government mandates like what we should eat, um, marketing from companies that spin research, that pay for research and spin everything. So our beliefs that we are basing what we are eating on and why we are eating are coming from um, all of these belief sources. And so the question is now that I pose to you is, why do you eat what you eat? And I'm trying to just clarify that a little bit and give you this big picture view of why we eat what we eat. And now we come to people like myself and to poke holes in my own theories. There are people like me who believe that the way to reduce human suffering is through eating meat. But in modern society, there's not actually necessarily correct either. There are many unethical, unsustainable practices in many farms around the world, leading to suffering of animals, degradation of soils, and, of course, the future suffering of humans due to these practices leading to poor nutrition that we would get from these animals. So these animals may actually end up having inflammatory properties or just not actually providing us the nutrients that we think they should be, that in the past we would have assumed that they had. So we may be having our own beliefs on what's convenient as well at the same time. So animals can also experience a high-stress life where their hormones change and no longer become something great and beneficial for us as humans. The antibiotics that are used, the pesticides that are used on animals, all leading to an end product that is nutritionally not what it has been throughout evolution. It's very, very different to what it was a thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago. But the same can be said on the other side in the plant-based community as well. The plants they believe are good for them may not actually be that good for them. They have lived stress life. The plants have also lived stress lives, propped up by pesticides, genetic modification to be different, and also to 
be more resilient so more pesticides can be sprayed. More natural pesticides are genetically modified. So the plant actually can resist pests more naturally, but that increases the toxicity in those anti-nutrients that we consume. And so it may be lowering our nutrient uh, absorption as well and leading to more inflammation in us. So it's a very difficult world that we are now living in that I'm proposing to you. But this is why it's necessary just to have a conversation around why are we eating what we're eating and what are we eating. First Australians have lived off the land by consuming animals and some native plants for 60,000 years. This culture saw animals that no other living culture on earth will ever see and they ate them possibly to extinction, as many other cultures have done throughout history. The key from history that we can use for our health resolution is that eating free-roaming animals that lived on regenerative, replenished soils, allowing this culture here in Australia to survive without the health problems of modern society, that is key. Regenerative farming, where there's a life cycle, a circle of life between the grass, the plants that are being eaten are being fertilized by the excrement of the animals, which are being also further used up by insects going through there, which are also then being eaten by, say, ducks and other small animals. And then they're also pooping, they're also spreading. And we end up with this life cycle of everything, the topsoil being deep and thick and nutritious. It more resistant to drought, more species of native grasses and natural plants so that there's a wider variety of nutrients in that animal being eaten and the land is more prosperous and also, big thing, reduces carbon because there's so much green growing grass because it's such good nutritious soil. So another issue that we have is that Consuming too many calories too often throughout the day and night and not consuming the micronutrients from a free-roaming animal source of nutrition is all we need to know about the problems facing all current cultures in every corner of the planet, except for a few that are still hidden away doing their natural practices, their, their cultural practices of thousands of years. So going back in time, again to the evolution of Earth and early organisms, that became plants and animals. That same organism became plants and became animals. So everything that has evolved has done so from the materials available here on Earth billions of years ago. The stardust that compacted together about 5 billion years ago is all they had and it's all we have ever had. It's all we have now. Other than the things that are not good for us that are man-made. Those chemicals are man-made. They are not good for us. We don't know what to do with them in our body. But that's another story. Here we are focusing on the things that we evolved to need and balanced with the stardust, those elements. So how we use these elements and the same ones that make up the rocks, the air, the water and everything that has ever existed on earth up until the point of human intervention is defined by the form that it comes in and how we interact with that element. So now we rely on food growing in mass crops and that food that we eat needs nutrients exactly as we do to grow. 
And exactly the same as us, most plants and animals will grow to a regular size if given some of the nutrients they need to be optimal. So only some of the nutrients that they need. So humans are the same. We will grow, we will survive, but we are not thriving. We are not at our optimal health. So if we are in that same point as a plant, and it's so obvious in a plant when its leaves are a different color, different veins show up, uh, the fruit doesn't grow well, so many obvious things in a plant, and we go, oh, it's because it needs magnesium, it needs potassium, it needs nitrogen, and we will feed the plant and we will give it water and the, uh, the nutrients that the soil is lacking. So we can do it for plants, but we don't do it for ourselves. So like, it's not easy to test though exactly what is there, but in soil, it's somewhat easier to test than it is from an end product of a fruit or in us as humans. So they base it, okay, what's the soil missing? Let's add this to the soil and hopefully we can balance things out. An example of a plant growing well without everything that it needs to be optimal would be the Brazil nut. High in selenium by historical standards, by every website you'll ever search, Brazil nuts high in selenium. Fascinating. And I was Googling this recently because selenium is really good for DNA replication to help avoid tumors. And a friend of mine said, oh, look, I'm trying to focus on the, I'm having the Brazil nuts, I'm getting the selenium. And I went in and dived a bit deeper into selenium and found out that actually it's not a requirement of the Brazil nut to grow of selenium. So the Brazil nut can still grow even if there is not selenium present. So when was the last time that you bought a Brazil nut that actually said, well, this batch has this much selenium in it? So it could be quite possible that that crop of plants that have been grown in the same place for tens of thousands, 10 decades and decades has actually not got much selenium left in it any longer. And what we think we're eating is just that veil of perception that we see something written on the internet and we assume that is what we're eating without actually knowing what we're eating. And like humans, the Brazil nuts may have found that they grow pretty well just using the standard nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium fertilizer that was developed decades ago. And in their special ratios that have been developed, it's thrown on nearly every um, crop around the world as NPK. It helps plants grow, but they don't give the plants all that they need and all that we need as we eat those plants. Or all that the animal that eats that plant and then we eat the animal, where does that chain start? Where are we missing the nutrients? And we're missing it a long way. So we just don't know. The same can be said for cattle. Even grass-fed cattle free-roaming on pastures could end up nutrient deficient in some minerals that we would expect to consume at certain levels when we eat the, the meat from that cattle. The chances are better of getting more nutrients from grass-fed animals than from a grain-fed animal, especially from a feedlot animal, because obviously it's fed one particular crop, probably from one particular area of pasture that has been just used over and over and over again. And so at least the grass-fed cattle are likely to have spread out over different pastures. And when needed, they will be supplemented with different hays that are brought in, different grasses that are brought in as needed. So they're getting themselves a mixture. And so my theory that I mentioned earlier on in the podcast around why isn't this being tested? Why isn't it easy for us to test what is in the food that we're eating? And why isn't it easy for us to test 
what's in us. Well, A, maybe the technology's not there. But when it really needs to be there, as we've, as we've just seen with developing a vaccine for COVID, it can happen when the money's there and there's profit to be made. Things can happen quickly. There's no profit in finding out a simple, easy test for all the nutrients, the micronutrients, and let's say macro as well, that are in our body, even though it could solve so many health issues. It could, it could prevent so many tumors. It could help so many people balance out the minerals in their body and feel and thrive and be healthier, there's no money in it. The current pharmaceutical industry is based more on fear. Oh, you better take this B vitamin to feel energetic. Oh, you better take this thing if you're at this age. After 50, you better be taking this and so on and so on. It's all based around fear. So imagine if you went and got tested and suddenly... You knew exactly how much you needed to take and when you needed to take it and when you didn't need to take it. So maybe you're deficient. You take it for a month at a fairly high dose and boom, you'll get tested again and you feel fantastic. Your tests say you've got it back to a level. And so you can probably maintain that from now on with food and maybe in 12 months time get tested again. So there's no more thinking, oh, maybe I need to buy this nutrient and we're just pouring money down the train. That's not to say supplements aren't good. I'm pouring plenty of money down the drain at the minute because I'm using them as an insurance policy as I look more and more into the supplements that we are and are not getting potentially from our food. So that's my theory. One day health will improve when we can test really easily for all our vitamin and nutrient deficiencies and toxicities really quickly and easily. And likewise, imagine a world where we could look on the packet and say, oh, wow, okay, this batch of nuts has this many micronutrients and this type in it. And you would, it would be tested constantly. So every time you went and bought that food, you could see what's in that meat, you could see what's in that egg. You would know exactly how much and of what nutrient you were getting. It would be amazing to be able to tailor what your body needs with a test by choosing the food that it does need by shopping and it showing up in the shops for that particular day that you are looking for that. It'd be an amazing world. I think it would solve so many problems. For now, we've just got to figure out our way to do it the best that we can at the moment. And yes, there are some tests that you can do, but we're not getting into all of those. And the funny thing is, this is what indigenous cultures have done throughout history following the seasons, the migration patterns, tracking the health of their tribe and following traditions based on this information, the feedback that they saw from their tribe. Oh, we ate that, we got sick. Oh, we ate that, it got rid of that illness. Oh, this season we go here and eat this animal that's passing through that section of the country and they're eating that grass and so on and so on. We can see how evolutionarily it's so basic and simple that we have no longer got a connection to what we eat any longer. Okay, here's some helpful tips. Here's some information maybe that will be a bit more relevant. The present day. What are we doing that is causing low levels of nutrients endogenously? That is within us. And what is causing the lower levels of the exogenous sources? And that is what we are consuming from outside of us. So endogenously, from within our own bodies, we can look at our gut bacteria. Over millions of years, we've built the relationship to be symbiotic. We, give, we both live longer and thrive more because we use each other in partnership, us and the bacteria. We feed the bacteria and they eat what we eat 
And it's that easy give and take. Think of the tube from our mouth to the exit at the other end as something separate to us. And only nutrients can seep in and out of this tube. And out of this tube is the inside of us. So inside this separate tube from mouth to bum is just food going through us and bacteria living in there. Bacteria help break down and create nutrients into more absorbable forms. So we can benefit more from what we are eating if we have good gut microbiome. And how do we get good microbiome? By eating healthy. So as it goes, that in evolution, relying on food alone was not enough. We've always had bacteria. We've always needed this bacteria to help us get more from the food. So if we have good, strong bacteria that is balanced on a natural diet, that bacteria helps us digest food so that we get more energy, so macronutrients, and more micronutrients from it. It helps change the form. It's a little chemistry set down there that the bacteria have going on, and they can modify what we're eating so that we can absorb it and get the nutrients that we need, maybe that weren't in the food in the first place, but we can get it thanks to our gut bacteria. So things like medications, antibiotics, poor food, drink choices obviously affect the microbiome and actually make it work against us, negative influencing our hormones um, and obviously decreasing the amount of good nutrition that we absorb. So don't think of the bacteria as something you want to manipulate. Think of it as something you need to remain accountable to. Think of it as 100 trillion little students that you are under your care. Feeding yourself right means feeding them right, and they will grow to be beneficial to you. Frequently eating processed foods or sugars means they will change according to the nasty environment you create. So we've all been told that. We've all been told, oh, well, if you eat sugars, it's not good for you. Well, let's, this is one reason why, because your gut microbiota will change according to this high sugar level and it will no longer be beneficial to you. It will no longer help you digest the food that you're eating. It will no longer help boost the nutrients that you are absorbing. Another endogenous reason for low nutrients are that we're using them up. We are using them in this modern life that did not exist that long ago where we're, we were never training for Ironman triathlons before. We were never living stressed 24-7. We were getting really good deep sleep. We didn't even have electricity until fairly modern times. So we weren't even up at, late at night in bright lights. The modern world is so different to what it was not that long ago that the stress that we are experiencing because of things that we place on ourselves through poor sleep, running on hormones, maybe it's caffeine, other drugs, medications, so on and so on. We're compensating using up other nutrients. So using up one nutrient to compensate for a deficiency in another creates a hole somewhere else. So we're not giving up. We're, our exercise is more than it needs to be. It's, it's well beyond just how much we would do if we were hunting animals. It's beyond that. It's, you know, as we know, some people, it's obsessive compulsive. It is hard, high heart rate, high intensity, and that uses nutrients. That uses micronutrients. It doesn't just use calories. It uses micronutrients to have energy, to produce hormones for stress and all of those other things. So it's, it's a very different world. Exogenous sources 
So the reasons we're not eating as much as we need, we've already touched on a lot of this, such as crops planted over and over in the same place, mineral levels have been depleted. Um, the genetically modified plants are no longer what they were. They now have higher levels of things like oxalates and lectins so that that inhibits absorption of other nutrients. So the very plant that you think you're eating to boost your iron absorption because it's got iron in it, let's say raw spinach, and if you eat that with your steak, the raw the oxalates, the high levels of oxalates in the spinach will inhibit the iron absorption from the steak. So we're not always doing the right thing when we think we are. Our beliefs, what we think is right, is very it's a very, very gray area. So regenerative farming is the next big thing where we are aware of what's in the soil. We're aware of all the different types of plants. We're aware of the levels of um, nutrients that the cattle are eating. They're eating a wide, wide range of different nutrients. And the soil is sequestering lots and lots of carbon. The plants are growing. The grass is growing quick. It's being eaten. And that circle of life continues. Let's bottom line it and wrap this up. Keep an open mind and think about the big picture. Stop focusing so much on what you're eating and don't get fanatical about types of food that you're eating and eating that food for that nutrient. Think really big picture. Think about supplementing the things that you may be low in that you think could help boost your hormones or, well, boost all your energy production, boost your health. What have you spent a lifetime not eating until your recent awakeness to a better health? What changes have you made recently? So what were you doing in the past that may have led to a deficiency over time? I know that when I was growing up, I was exercising a lot and I was eating a fairly normal diet of, you know, milk and Milo, milk and a chocolate drink. It's uh, here in Australia, milk and chocolate, um, lots of sandwiches at lunch, obviously honey and peanut butter at lunch in all my sandwiches and um, lots of, yeah, high carbohydrate foods. So imagine that. So if I'm worried now about how many nutrients are in a grass-fed piece of steak compared to hundreds of years ago, imagine how few nutrients were in a piece of bread that I grew up on for, you know, 18, 20, 25 years, 30 years. You know, I ate pretty well in my late 20s and, and things were going well when I trained for Hawaii. But there's that big time period of my life where food wasn't good, where I was really pushing my body hard and I was experiencing health symptoms way back in my teens. That's what's led to this. Constant questions, living with things for two decades. I'm trying to figure it all out. Do consider that there may be some deficiencies that you are, are not addressing, even though you believe the foods that you're eating do have those nutrients. Consider that you maybe need to um, supplement as an insurance policy, but there's lots of different ways that you can research that. You can talk to us. Love to have a chat about it with you. Um, so, okay, wrapping this up, I've gone on long enough with these philosophical questions, with these big ideas, with this big picture view. I hope it's helped change your perception a little bit and just always remember, always have an open mind to changing your perception and your beliefs to everything, particularly around food, because it's like politics. You don't want to just suddenly pick a side and find that, oh, hang on, that guy's a douche. Um, so be open-minded, just always be curious. And yeah, I'd love to chat to you about this um, through Live Your Own Fit website. Contact us at hello at Live Your Own Fit. 
Um, myself and Jamie are here to talk about this more, but obviously this is the big picture and we'd love to dive deep into the weeds and get into the nitty gritty of your own individual nuances and figure out what we can do to help you. I hope you enjoyed this very different uh, meandering podcast. Thanks for joining me. Talk to you next time.